The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry with Joe McGill. Good morning, good morning. How are you this morning? I'm Joe McGill and you're listening to the Saturday Supplement. And I hope I find you well wherever you are listening to us around the world on RadioCarry.ie, the Radio Carry app, or on the traditional wireless 96 to 98 FM. Really cool and crisp these mornings, isn't it? But it's a nice dry kind of a... Um, a frost. We just need the rain to keep away now on the sleet um, because uh, we'll take we'll take the cold, but I can't stand that black ice and and uh, the kind of you know the the sleet and the snow that 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 falls uh, with it. But I hope you're well, and uh, we have a very busy program for you this morning because on the Saturday supplement we'll hear from Astiz Maureen Hanlon, who is organising a fundraiser for community Chinakalo in Knock. Moraid will tell us all about the organisation which provides a free full residential programme to help people suffering from addiction to change their lives. And we'll have another episode of A Blast of Kerry, Women in Food, this time featuring Karen Coakley, a.k.a. Kinmare Foodie. Also, Logamna Kikiri, where national school children in Kerry tell us the stories and meanings of the local place names in their area. And this morning... We'll be hearing from the school children of Crocon Nefa National School in Cahar Daniel and the school children of Skull on Hlana in the Glen. And uh, we'll also have Kerry County Council Creative Kingdom letting you know what's going on in the arts world. We'll be talking about Aikshina Bridoga and the Biddy, the Biddy Day Festival as well, taking place in Clarglen at the Mid Kerry Biddy's Day Festival. Now, as I mentioned, Asti Native Moraid Hanlon is organising a fundraiser for community Chenaklo in Knock after finding out all about them on a recent trip to Medjugorje. And I spoke to Moraid during the week and found out about the organisation, which provides a free, fully residential programme to help people suffering from addiction to change their lives. So, Moraid, thanks a million for uh, coming in to tell me your wonderful story and about this organisation, Chin Aklo. So, tell us, how did it first come across your radar? It began with a trip. Yes, uh, hi Joe, um, thank you for having me here. Um, I was in Medjugorje for the first time uh, last September and um, I was meant to go to Medjugorje 33 years ago but my father actually uh, died very suddenly and I cancelled it and uh, I never got going in all of the 33 years but there was um, a draw on me to go to Medjugorje last year and I was very fortunate to travel with a group actually from uh, Cahar Savine based group Bridie McCarthy in Cahar Savine was our group leader and we were most fortunate to have a wonderful uh, spiritual director Father Brendan Walsh from the parish of um, Ballyduff Causeway uh, he was our spiritual director and then uh, one of the afternoons as part of our week outside uh, we were um, taken to a place called Chenakilo. And very good before you get there, why did you want to go to Medjugorje? What's the draw of Medjugorje? Well, I had heard uh, fabulous um, uh, feedback about Medjugorje and what it was like. I have been to Lourdes umpteen times with sick children at Easter, maybe 12 or 14 times over the years. Have you? Yeah, yeah. absolutely beautiful. And Lourdes is so beautiful and so special. But 
from my experience of the week in Medjugorje, I just, there is something ultra special about Medjugorje. And I suppose for me, it was the peace I found there. Uh, it was the camaraderie with uh, the people in the group and the people that we, that we met along the way as well like-minded people uh, that uh, you know everybody has their own crosses and struggles in life and uh, you know everybody goes to Medjugorje for their own personal reasons and um, and would you be a spiritual kind of person? I would yeah. I would yeah, yeah my faith is, is hugely important to me yeah. uh, Padre Pio is hugely important to me and um, uh, I would have great devotion to the Sacred Heart and Our Lady as well uh, yeah. yeah so Chinaclo then talk about that well Chinaclo I was completely taken by it when we went there that afternoon and uh, we were we were um uh, treated to um, uh, two of the fellas there gave their testimonies uh, and what uh, you know how their lives have been transformed and um, I suppose it had a huge impact in me really to hear their stories and um, you know we're all struggling with our own issues uh, in life and I thought it was so heartwarming that you know that people are given a second chance mm. at life. Yeah because who are these people? What is Chinaclo? Chinaclo is, is a community for a addiction. Uh, primarily it would be drug addiction but uh, for all addictions really um, alcohol, gambling, whatever but primarily drug addiction and um, you know these young fellas uh, from different countries uh, would have been outcasted I suppose really by their families and their, by, com- by their communities as well and um, they wouldn't have been given any chance uh, at life, do you know? And, um, I, you know, Chinacolo started really uh, with a wonderful nun by the name of Sister Elvira. And um, she set up Chinacolo in 1983. Um, it was actually the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel uh, on the 16th of July, 1983. The first Chinacolo community opened in Italy. Okay. And it was it was northern Italy, uh, Piedmont area, about an hour from Turin. And um, uh, Sister Elvira was given, uh, she was gifted a derelict house that was almost fallen down and uh, at the cost of one dollar a year uh, she paid to to the the, the council and um herself and another sister, a religious sister and a teacher, the three of them um, uh, embarked on this project to do up the house and it was there that the first uh, participants in her programme uh, came to to um, to be part of this recovery, mm. you know? Yeah, it's it's an amazing kind of a, a, a story of how it was set up and, you know, who it was there to help as well. Um, so when you went there that afternoon or that day, you mentioned people talked to you was it recovering addicts and things that spoke yes. to you there, there was a huge group like uh, a lot of people from other groups as well and they came there and we were we went into this auditorium and uh, we got a, a very warm welcome and there was um, a, a film a slide put on uh, to show us how Chinacolo had actually evolved and how it started and um, I suppose what I got from watching it was a huge hope that Chinacolo is a place of hope it's not a detox and it's not a rehab it's a place of hope and um, it's also for those that are disaffected by life and who want to experience um, a simpler, meaningful life in a Christian community. So there aren't any psychiatrists or there, any, there aren't any counsellors. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's people where people live together, respecting themselves and each other and respecting the rules of the community. And really, in a word, it all comes down to love you know that that people reach out and that they're there to uh, embrace the people that have the problems and have the addictions and um 
to give them a, a, a second chance at life really do you mm, know mm. and it is kind of so that's 40 years ago really so it has kind of mushroomed since it, it's across uh, Europe as well it's in many more places yeah there, there are actually um, 18 it's in 18 countries now Chanakalo so uh, there, there's one um, there's one in, in Africa uh, there's 12 uh, Chanakalo communities in Europe and uh, one in North America and there's four in South America and as well as the Chanakalo community um, there, there's um, they also welcome and try to educate street children from South America uh, they opened houses of prayer and listening centres and then family groups were also established to help parents to, to cope with their sons or daughters who are going through a difficult time as well so it was actually uh, speaking with one of the uh, participants uh, in Chanakalo in Medjugorje that I actually found out that there was um, a Chanakalo community in Nock and I would go to Nock twice a year and I had never heard that there was a Chanakalo community in Nock. So, you know, after leaving the, the, the community that day and coming back to the hotel and for the days remaining in Medjugorje and coming home on the flight, all of this was going through my mind about what I had heard and what I had experienced and um I really wanted to do something about it and I spoke to a few people that were on the, the trip including Father Brendan Walsh and I said I really I want to do something I can come home or I can sit back and do nothing or I can be proactive and do something and help them so what I did was I picked up the phone and I rang Chanakalo in uh, Nock and I spoke to a lovely young fellow by the name of Roman and uh, told him I had been in Medjugorje and um, uh, he invited me to come up and to meet uh, his, his fellow colleagues in Nock so I went up by appointment the following Thursday myself and I met the lads above. I got a very warm welcome from them and I met them in their home and they showed me around and they're actually building an extension onto the house. So when it's completed, uh, they'll be able to accommodate 20 participants instead of 12 that they have there now. Um, so then uh, my idea kind of uh, came from that, that we would actually have a tea dance. Yes, and we will talk about the tea dance, but I was just reading um, during the week as it was the first I heard of, of, of Chinaclo was when you mentioned it to me but it is like a farm as well in Nock isn't it and they actually do daily chores and I suppose that routine helps as well yeah I mean uh, the, um, they're allocated different different jobs I mean th they have a fantastic itinerary uh, up, up above on the wall and I was fascinated to see it that everybody plays their part and um, the, the jobs rotate and um, you know there's somebody on the cooking uh, the day I was there there was a uh, a young fella from Italy uh, doing the, the cooking and um, uh, there was a, a grand smell coming from the kitchen for, <laughs> for the dinner that evening let me tell you so his cooking skills were excellent and um, then the, somebody else would be on laundry somebody else would be on the farm work uh, somebody else would be on even. cleaning yeah. absolutely yeah. you know so th they are self-sufficient uh, in what they do above and uh, it's, it's all about camaraderie and it's all about community mm. it's hugely important but prayer is hugely important to them as well and I suppose uh, Sister Elvira saw her job um, as showing them um, a better and more effective option uh, than, than what they were doing with their lives and that would be that Christ would be at the centre of their lives and um, um, it's also I suppose the community would be it's a boot camp, a spiritual boot camp where they can come and learn to live a totally new way of life and to accept a simple lifestyle and to rediscover the gifts of work and the gifts of friendship and faith in the word of God and um 
to do to do that rather than relying on uh, the the drug uh, drugs as as a crutch i suppose uh, to escape uh, when when something is too painful uh, for people uh, uh, rather than resorting to drugs that they would resort to work and friendship and faith in god and um and would these would these people be religious beforehand or you know, no. does it accept anyone? If you know what I mean, it would it would accept anybody. I mean, uh, the the participants, I suppose, um, uh, they go through an interview process uh, in Dublin uh, before they're accepted into the community, and um, uh, there is no limit to the amount of time that they can stay uh, within the community. And they uh, can leave whenever they want. They can as leave well, whenever yeah. they want. They can stay indefinitely. They can stay for x x number of months or years in in Knock. They can go on to a different community in Europe or maybe go to Medjugorje, maybe go to America. Uh, so there, there's there's no limit to what they can do within the community setup if they still need the support. Yeah, it's amazing when you hear years, you know, because when you, you think of rehabilitation centres, whatever, it'd be a shorter period of time, you'd imagine. But this is completely changing a, a way of life, really. And I read one story of a, a young person that, you know, who was addicted to um, dr- dr- alcohol and, and marijuana and uh, would have frequented one of these places as well and uh, was able to go on and lead a, a very much a normal life after that. So it's amazing to, to hear the stories. What is the success, or is there, you know, have they been successful doing this? Because, like, there's no methadone being used, you know, for heroin uh, addicts and things like that, so, you know, maybe some people might be worried about that. Like, what, what is the, 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 the there's, a, there's a phenomenal success rate, uh, and, you know, uh, uh, those those that, that are, are, we'll say, complete their time, are that they feel that they're well enough to leave the community uh, they go out into the world and they're absolutely amazing young people some actually um, uh, join uh, religious communities, uh, they become priests, they become uh, social workers uh, they go out into the missions they work, some opt to go and, and settle down and get married and have families of their own and um, they take what they learn in in the community in the Chanakalo community they take that with them out into the world and they really make a difference because they have seen what it's like to be at rock bottom mm-hmm. And I suppose what really really touched me um when I was in in uh, Chanakalo and Knock and I, I saw the, the extension that they were doing onto the house and Roman explained to me that uh, they don't buy any materials to build. They actually get stuff donated or if somebody is is um, getting rid of timber or uh, um, cupboards or whatever, any kind of wood or whatever, uh, all that is recycled and used. And reclaimed, yeah. It is. Yeah. And if there's a, a block of timber that has uh, screws or nails or whatever in it, they remove all of that and uh, they, they actually make a a wholesome piece of wood out of it that they can use and I suppose really there was a parallel with their own lives Mm. as well that the old piece of timber that somebody was throwing out wasn't put on the dump heap it was recycled and it was made new and it it could be used for a new purpose absolutely and it's the same with their own lives uh, that um, you know as, as, as he explained to me that day you know sometimes uh, when when people hit rock bottom they're actually marginalised and um, they're outcasted from their family they're outcasted from society and they're seen as worthless Mm. and um, so that's what Chanakalo does it gives them that chance to come back and uh, to to do something with their lives and to make a difference because at the end of the day Joe we're all going through a journey of life together and um, you know they're for you know 
for the grace of God I could be in the same position myself mm. any of us could mm. and uh, I think to be given a second chance at life um, they deserve that yeah and who actually works there and like you know like what kind of you know like you mentioned they're not they're not trained they're not counsellors or medical people so who works there you know well, you see th- there are different levels uh, uh, um, some of the, the fellows above in, in the Chanakalo community in Knock would be there for a number of years and have great experience and they're there then to take uh, uh, the, the newcomers mm. under their wing they're actually what they're called is their guardian angel okay. so they're there to look out for them to look after so them like a sponsor again as well absolutely yeah, yeah. and uh, you know they've they've seen firsthand what it's like themselves they've walked that road so they're able to to identify the problems that they would have uh, there's also um, uh, a group of trustees uh, involved in 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 knock now I haven't met any of them but I've spoken to one of them on the phone and he he sounds very very nice and I'm looking forward to meeting him. He's, he was ordained in 2017 and his name is Father Declan Lohan and he's actually a priest based in County Galway. Mm. So Father Declan is going to be coming down to our tea dance in February. Maureen Hanlon there and we'll hear more from Maureen after these. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Now let's return to the interview I did with Maureen Hanlon during the week, who's organising a fundraiser for community Chenaclo in Knock. And that organisation provides a free fully residential programme to help people suffering from addiction to change their lives. And as I mentioned, Maureen is organising a fundraiser. So I spoke to her about that. And tell us about the tea dance, because like you say, you wanted to do something kind of tangible and concrete, so you've organised the tea dance. So tell us about that. Yeah, so I, I got onto the community centre in Asti and I booked the community centre for Sunday, the 4th of February. And uh, I booked, the music will be the singing Jarvie, Jar Healy from Killarney, because he's just excellent and people love his music. And the floor is always full when Jar is playing. So uh, he's, he's booked for the Sunday, the 4th as well. Uh, so, you know, I thought... Having the tea dance will bring in just a limited amount of money because it'll be a limited number of people that will come to the tea dance. And I thought, you know, I need to, to make and maximise uh, uh, the, the the biggest amount of, of, of money that I can make here with this. So then I, I got tickets printed before Christmas and... Um, so tickets are 10 euros each for a raffle and uh, I have books of 10 uh, 10 tickets in each book so I, I, I printed 100 books of tickets and if I can sell all of those tickets it will bring in 10,000 just from the raffle alone uh, aside from what we'll make at the tea dance on the day so I thought, you know, rather than having a big list of prizes, if we could get three good prizes. So I just put a lot of thought into it and I thought, you know, I'll contact Marion Pilgrimages in Dublin because we travelled with them to Medjugorje and I told them the story and sure they were fully on board and they said we're going to sponsor an all-expenses-paid trip for one person to Medjugorje in 2024. So that will be our first prize. Then our second prize, I thought, what would people really like to do? Uh, what would be unusual? And I thought, my God, an over night in a dare manner would be uh, something really different for people it would be out of the ordinary and people wouldn't be doing it on a regular basis because it's expensive so I got onto a dare manner to find out 
how much an overnight would be for two people and an evening meal that was 1,400 euro so then I I went in and I met Des Adams here in Tralee in person and I told him about Chanakalo and uh, the wonderful work that was being done and um, instantly he said I will pay for the overnight and that so Des Adams has sponsored our second prize which is overnight in, in Adair Manor plus an evening meal for two people and then our third prize is bed and breakfast in the woodlands in Adair uh, sponsored by the Fitzgerald family so there are three prizes and then whoever comes to our tea dance in Asti on the Sunday uh, they will get uh, they pay 10 euros going in that's the cost to go into the tea dance and they will get um, a ticket going in and there'll be a separate raffle then for a door prize and our door prize is all thanks to the wonderful Michael Healy Ray who has come on board uh, immediately when he heard about this fundraiser and he will bring two people to Dublin and he will wind them and dine them above in Leinster House and give them a tour of Leinster House as well so that will be an amazing prize. Very good. And where can people go for the raffle tickets? Where can they get them? The, the, the raffle tickets, tickets um, are, are being sold in the parish office uh, in Ballyduff Causeway. Father Brendan Welsh has very kindly uh, come on board to support this and uh, he spoke about it at Mass last weekend in Causeway as well uh, because he knows firsthand uh, the work that's being done in Chinacolo in, in Medjugorje. He's been out there umpteen times and um, so the, the tickets are available at the parish office in Ballyduff Causeway and um they will also be available at the parish office in Lestole and uh, then I spoke with Paul O'Connor the manager of uh, Supervalue in Lestole and we will be allowed to sell the tickets uh, in Supervalue in Lestole on Friday the 19th of February so we'll be in Supervalue all day with the tickets in Lestole there'll be a rota of people to help out uh, a couple of hours each person will give a couple of hours of their time to be there to sell the tickets on Friday the 19th in Lestole at Supervalue Very good and the tea dance again remind us of the date of that and can you just rock up on the day or you can you can rock up on the day it's on uh, Sunday the 4th of February at Hasty Community Centre brilliant um, I have a feeling though that this is just the start of something is it would you well, I, it has made a lasting effect on you I'd it imagine. has had a huge impact on me really yeah. and I suppose we, we, we'll be very fortunate on the day that two of the, the participants in this programme uh, in NOC will be coming down to SD and um, uh, we will accommodate them ourselves our own family will accommodate them if they need to stay overnight and they're going to give their testimony Joe which brilliant. will be absolutely amazing to hear firsthand from themselves what it's like to hit rock bottom and then to come back and to make something of your life and uh, to be able to go forward out into the world and really in essence to spread the good news uh, to other people that may be finding life extremely difficult uh, because there are a lot of challenges out there for people uh, between addictions or you know people that might have just run into financial trouble or whatever and that could be at rock bottom and you know to hear from other people that that uh, you know there is there is a second chance at life. Mm. So that's basically really what what this is all about. Do you e- know? Excellent. And how were you after your trip to Medjugorje? Is that Medjugorje? Correct? No, I always say Medjugorje, but it's Medjugorje. <laughs> Medjugorje. Yeah. yeah. What was um, what was that like overall? I thought it was just the most amazing. Um, you know, there, there are three climbs that you can do in Medjugorje. Uh, the, the the toughest uh, climb is called Cross Mountain, and uh, we did that on the Sunday. You have upper 
Corrishan Hill as well and um, you have Blue Cross Mountain uh, they're tough uh, but they're manageable I'm very unfit <laughs> I must say <laughs> I really am so unfit and um, but I, I, I did the two climbs and the biggest challenge then would be Cross Mountain it and sounds like it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my own son Anthony was out in Medjugorje the week before and he said mom he said you definitely won't do Cross Mountain but that gave me such uh, a push uh, to prove him wrong <laughs> and to do it and I must say without naming names I had a guardian angel yeah. climbing Cross Mountain and without that guardian angel going up and coming down I wouldn't have been able to do it and I think uh, so far in my life and I'm, I'm well well up there in years now Joe <laughs> <laughs> and I think for me it was the biggest challenge and the biggest achievement really yeah. and uh, and I did it yeah. and you know uh, I feel after Medjugorje and what I did outside and what I experienced outside um I suppose really uh, you know I could take on anything in life now yeah, yeah. nothing would stop me do yeah. you know because I see it as a level playing field for all of us yeah. no matter what what role a person has in life whether you're a consultant whether you're a teacher whether you're a nurse whether you're a cleaner on the road it doesn't matter we're all God's children really and we're all the same in his eyes and um nobody's above and beyond anybody else and that's how I see it and um, I just you know I met some amazing people outside I heard some amazing stories and um, Our Lady of Medjugorje really has had a huge impact on me since I came back and I just thought it was the most amazing week and for anybody that hasn't been out in Medjugorje and that that speaks ill of it uh, I would say to them don't don't have this opinion until you go out and experience it yourself it's absolutely an amazing week and amazing people Well best of luck Moraid with the tea dance and the raffle and everything else and well done and organising it and uh, we look forward to speaking to in the future and hopefully it all goes well Thank you so much John thanks for the opportunity Yeah Maureen Hanlon there and I knew nothing about that organisation before Maureen uh, told me about it so we wish her all the best to look there We'll take a break and after that we'll have our Logamnica Kiri where we tell you the meanings and the stories behind the place names where national school children live in this county and this morning we're going to be featuring Crocorn Nefa National School in Cahar Daniel and the school children of Skull on Rana in the Glen. So we take a break with a more after these. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Also, hope you're enjoying the programme so far. I'm Joe McGill. This is the Saturday Supplement. Logamnaka Kiri, you're really enjoying this from the messages we've been getting over the last few weeks. And well done to all the school children involved. Would you believe this is the last two episodes of the 10-part series produced by Mags Mahoney and uh, it is a series of course that explores the place names of Kerry and where they derive from and in this 10-part series national school children in Kerry tell the stories and meanings of local place names in their area. So this morning we're going to hear firstly from the school children of Crocon Nefa National School in Cahar Daniel. This documentary is a Maureen Nivehuna production. It was funded by Commission the Man with the television licence fee. Log and Macaque Curie. 
Where are the school children of Skol Krahan Nefa, Kachar Daniel, County Kerry? Our history left from past generations can be found in our townlands, localities and even fields. Today we are going to tell you about the area we come from, the place names in this area and their meaning, and the fascinating stories behind these names. Our school is situated near the small historical village of Caradaniel in the heart of the Ivra Peninsula. The Irish for Caradaniel is Caradono, meaning Donald's Stone Fort. Donald is the Irish version of Daniel. The ring fort in question is an ancient fort just outside of the village. The fort dates back to 600 AD and is steeped in history. Did you know that Derry Nan House is located near Caradaniel? Derry Nan House is the home of Daniel O'Connell who was hailed as the liberator of the Irish people. Daniel O'Connell was a liar, a politician and statesman, and nowadays his former home functions as a museum where visitors come to from all over the world. Derry Nan, or as Gwelga, Dura Enon, means the Oakwood of Fanon. Another townland near our school is Bonavola, or in Irish, Bun Anvola. It translates as the bottom of the town or homestead. Also situated in Cahar Daniel is the townland of Fern Iroch, or as Gwilga on Fern Iroch. This means the western land. Fern is another Irish word for land. The word Taloon is more commonly used. Another place named in Cahar Daniel is Cahar In Irish, this is Cahar meaning the Windy Fort. The townland of Cúnahorna is also located near Cairndaniel. The meaning behind Cúnahorna is the hollow or coom of the barley. Another townland not too far from our school is Brocarrick. The Irish version of this is Brocarrick. This translates as the speckled land of the stone fort. Interestingly, many of the Lug Anamnaka in the area feature the stone fort. Not far from our school is the townland of Rafield, or as Gwailgat Park Naraha. This means the field of the ring fort. Reen or on Reen is another place name in Cahir Daniel. This means a point or headland. Also located near the village of Cahir Daniel is Darinan Abbey, also known as Ahamor Abbey, or Manister Ahamor. This is a ruined abbey located very near to the Hurinan house. It is believed to have been built in the 6th century. I hope you enjoyed us telling you the meaning of some of the place names or Lug Anamnaka in our area. We learned a lot about the wonderful places we live in and we hope you did too. Now when you visit our area, you won't just see names on a signpost. You will know the meaning behind these names. We look forward to welcoming you.
Yeah, well done there to the school children of Crocon Nefa National School in Car Daniel. And well done to all their teachers as well. And uh, I know parents, grandparents and relations at home are going to be very proud of the students uh, there. So well done to everyone involved. Now, let's go to Skol on Rana in the Glen. And let's hear their Logamnica Kiri. This documentary is a Maureen Nivehuna production. It was funded by Commission the Man with the television license fee. School children of Scullinglana de Glen, Banskelligs, County Kerry. Our history left from past generations can be found in our townlands, localities, and even fields. Today we are going to tell you about the area we come from, the place names in this area, and their meaning and fascinating stories behind these names. Tang Glan Sitter in Wiltox Evrahig Augustusko Gwiltoxa East Gallanglana. Tan Ta Daraglin Gwil Ryak Untuk Hagwin Erskillig Vihil Unspo. Askul is situated in the townland of Agash. Agash means an enclosed field. Just a short walk from our school is the very scenic Finnans Bay or Bainon. Saint Finian came in from the Skellig's Rock and set up a monastery around the 6th century at the site of the old church and graveyard. It is known locally as Kiel or Unkill and Saint Finian's Bay Beach is known as Tra Nakilla. Locals believe it should be called Saint Finian's Bay which is what they know it as. Officially, it is called St. Finian's Bay. Another townland in the Glen is a place called Dukala, or Asquelga Dukala. It is a very early Christian site, meaning black churches or cells. It is assumed that the cells were stone beehive huts. Interestingly, the stone in Dukala is quite black in color. Another townland or Bala Farin near our school is Kil Unkaha, meaning the Church of St. John of the Battles. It is said that the Vikings attacked there, hence the reference to battle. Other townlands nearby is a place called Kilabuna or Asquilga Kilabuna. This translates as the Church of Buna. We monaster Agniv Buna San Asha Banahasa Shak Ukid. Ta Tubber Nefa Darvanum Tubber Buna San Ashreshen. Another Balafarin or townland in the Glen is Balan of Laun. In Irish, this is Balan of Laun or Balamikil of Laun. This family was a branch of the O'Sullivan Moor clan in South Kerry. They were Celts. Temple on Cashel, Old Early Christian Oratory, is located in Bala Naflaun. This could show the linking of Celtic and Christian sites. Perhaps it 
is an oratory built on an old Celtic castle. Alahimur or Asquilga Alahimur means the big rocky field or place. A green field would probably be quite prominent near to rocky ground, which is quite interesting. The final townland we will explore is Turin or Anturin. This means a small green field. Anturin is situated to the east of Alhimor. I hope you enjoyed us telling you the meaning of some of the place names Orlok Animica in our area. We learned a lot about the wonderful places we live in and we hope you did too. Now when you visit our area, you won't just see names on a signpost. You will know the meaning behind these names. We look forward to welcoming you. Well done again to the school children of Skull on Rana in the Glen. And that is our final episode of the series Logamnica Kiri. Well done to those students and well done to all the national school students who participated in this series produ- produced by Mags um, Mahoney. It was great to be involved in and uh, we got to meet all the bright young people of Kerry. And now I know they know a lot more about the places they come from and I hope you do too. It's kind of a very interesting um, series and it's real nice local history um, and I think it's very important. So well done to everyone involved. Now we're going to take a break with more after these. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Now, so we're nearly through the first hour of the Saturday Supplement already. Where does the time go to? I hope you're enjoying the programme so far. Um, In the next hour, we will have our Blas of Kerry, Women in Food. And this is where we profile uh, female entrepreneurs in this county who've made a living through food businesses. And uh, we will be profiling Karen Coakley, otherwise known as Kinmare Foodie. And so stay tuned for that after 10 o'clock. And at 10.30, we will have our Kerry County Council, Creative Kingdom, letting you know what's going on in the arts world. And uh, we'll be talking about the biddy. Do any of you remember the biddy? Because I was just uh, remarking it there to someone uh, during the week that we had no RAN callers this uh, Christmas. And I don't know had we them last year either. Um, they seem to be falling by the, the wayside. Now, I know in Dingle the RAN is a big thing, but I mean throughout the county. Did you have any RAN callers uh, this Christmas? And um, also, of course, it's St. Stephen's Day. They're in the rain. The King of All Birds, St. Stephen's Day, was cutting the furs up with the kittle and down with the pan, a penny or two to bury the RAN. And we used to have the RAN, and we used to go around my own area and... And we'd leave the smaller ones. If I was the smaller one, we were left behind when we'd do our village. And then we'd go around to other areas on the bikes. The bigger people could go on the bikes. And uh, it, was a, it was a great old day out. But it was, it was tough going because in the morning, you know, Stephen's Day morning, you'd want to be playing with your ties that you got on Christmas Day. And uh, no, on Christmas Day night, you'd have to organise your masks and uh, black rubbish bins we used to put around ourselves as our costumes and uh, we, yeah, we'd have to set out early uh, Rin's Day and uh, Stephen's Day morning 
and you'd be gone for the day as well. Um, but yeah, I'm wondering is you know is it is that something that's dying out as as a kind of a thing calling to houses because it's the same um, with the biddy and we will be talking about the biddy um, later on because there is a wonderful biddy's day festival taking place in Clorgan that is reviving. Um, the biddy and also traditions around the Sugan. Do you know what the Sugan is? Well, stay tuned if you don't, because you will find out um, more. We'll also be talking about Eggshina Breedoga, and I think this is wonderful now where we've an extra bank holiday. We could do with that bank holiday, couldn't we? January is a tough old month, and I think it's brilliant that you get the bank holiday there as well. A kind of a long weekend, but the Mid Kerry Biddies Day Festival are ahead of the curve here because they already had this organised, so the bank holiday suits them down to the ground. Now, a contributor, to, a regular contributor to this programme is Shane Lahan. Um, UCC folklorist and uh, I suppose a lot of you would know that he has connections in Kerry um, more specifically in Port McGee but he always writes brilliant articles in the Farmer's Journal and one such article is about the New Year Moon and the reason I talk about this is because I was out early one morning there I think it was the start of this week um, if my memory serves me correct but I was out there and all of a sudden it was, it was pitch black like this is before the sun uh, was rising at all and I could see the moon and it was like a crescent it was just like the outline of the moon I suppose some people describe it as the sickle you know but it was really gold and it was absolutely stunning and Shane Lehan talks about the new year moon in an article in the Farmer's Journal I'd recommend you reading his articles they're absolutely brilliant the first cycle of the moon in the new year held great significance for people long ago Shane writes the dark outline of the new moon took three days to become visible and it was said that the birds were the first to see the new moon, the fish on the second day, and everyone on the third day. As my mother knew all too well, catching your first glimpse of the new moon through a window resulted in bad luck for the rest of the cycle of that moon. Now, I didn't see it through, through a window. I was outside. However, it was considered very lucky to catch your first glance of the sickle of the new moon if you were outside in the open air. There you have it. But you had to look at it over your right shoulder. Now, that's where I could be failing, because I'm not sure if I looked at it over my right shoulder or my left shoulder or over my head. I don't know what way I looked at it, but I did spot it. And come to think of it, I turned around and I spotted it. So maybe I did look over my right shoulder. I'm not sure. So... If you look at it over your right shoulder, your heart's desire was sure to follow. Many would make the sign of the cross, while others sank to their knees and recited a short refrain. I see the moon and the moon sees me. God bless the moon and God bless me. Grace in the kitchen and grace in the hall. And the grace of God be about us all. Such was the power of the new moon. It was believed to be a cure for toothache. One had to go out underneath the moon, remaining totally silent, not speaking with anyone, and say three Hail Marys to affect the desired belief. And he goes on to talk about more fascinating stuff about the new uh, moon. So I thought it was interesting to bring that up. Uh, did you spot the new moon? And some people say a full moon. You go a bit mad, don't you? There's loads of different things about the, the moon. Anyway, stay with us on the programme because we've lots more to come. We'll take a break, we'll have the news and I'll join you again the next time. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime.
We're into the second hour of the Saturday Supplement and it's time for another episode of Blast of Kerry Women in Food, a unique eight-part series where we focus on female entrepreneurs who have their own food businesses in Kerry. And in this episode, we're going to hear from Karen Coakley, otherwise known as Kinmer Foodie. This documentary is a Maureen Nivehuna production. It was funded by Commission the Man with the television licence fee. This is a Bloss of Curry, Women in Food, a unique eight-part series where we will focus on female entrepreneurs who have their own food businesses in Kerry. The series will gather some of the finest food businesses in the county, where the owners share a dedication to quality food, supporting each other and using local ingredients. We will explore some of the most impressive and interesting Kerry female-run businesses today who are truly doing their county proud. In this episode, we hear from Karen Coakley, or Kinmare Foodie as she is known, who is a home cook and food blogger, as well as a food tour guide living in Kinmare County, Kerry, with her husband Vincent and their four sons. She is originally from Bantry in West Cork. Karen is a keen forager and promoter of local produce, as well as home cooking. Her ethos with Kinmare Foodie is to lead a healthy, balanced, active life, and to get families back to the simple pleasures of home cooking connecting through sharing family meals together. I'm Karen Coakley and my business name is Kinmare Foodie. We are on Henry Street, Kinmare, County Kerry. Kinmare is in the south part of Kerry, kind of like bordering West Cork actually, within striking distance of all I love in West Cork and all I love in Kerry. So the beauty of Kinmare is it's a small town, there's only three streets, so we literally just hop from place to place. So we might start off in Bean and Batch, go to Heidi Rhines, which is a gorgeous little shop in town serving um, local cheese and charcuterie. Then we might also go to uh, Alhambra to taste some wines and then Wallorge for chocolate and of course Maison Gourmet here. I came from West Cork, so just growing up in West Cork, we had very much like an artisan food scene back in the day. And I worked in Super Value in Bantry all through my teenage years and the early years of my married life. And I remember the local cheesemakers coming in and actually delivering cheese by hand. I think that was a huge influence on me. And things like gobbing cheese, gobbing chorizo, all of that stuff was readily available. Then when I left West Cork in what 2000 I expected to find that elsewhere like and it wasn't as prominent as it is now thankfully it is everywhere the local food scene is just fantastic in the country but 23 years ago it wasn't it was still very much something we had in West Cork but I didn't have in Kerry um, that would have been one of my influences another one I suppose would have been my mom. she was always at home she was always cooking I used to walk home from school um, when I was in secondary school at lunchtime and there was always a bowl of soup on the table and mum and dad were great they traveled in the 1980s they you know off on holidays and um, she always tried to recreate things that she had when she was away and I found myself doing that too I love to gather ingredients in holidays bring them home and then cook so for me walking home from school along Black Rock Road in Bantry it was home to French onion soup you know and she might have topped it with her own brown bread and cheddar cheese as opposed to baguette and emmental but it was just fabulous and then I had um, a wonderful grand aunt who lived in Glengariff so I used to be sent there on my holidays allowed run wild <laughs> up in Glengariff like up the mountains and there was a meadow in front of the house so we used to collect mushrooms in the autumn time so that's a very strong memory for me my grand aunt used to make black pudding so I'm obsessed to this day with black pudding 
things like collecting the chickens, the, the hens, eggs, and just my grand-aunt was a great woman for, obviously, they were almost self-sufficient. They grew their own vegetables, they killed their own animals, they had their own eggs, their own black pudding, all of that. And I think that played a huge um, part of, I suppose, my interest in food and my passion for food, and more so local produce. So how did Karen turn her passion into a business? Uh, just completely accidental. Like, I still don't see it as a business. I still see it as my hobby. Um, so it started out, um, gosh, back in 2012 or 2013. I was a stay-at-home mom all my life. I have four boys. I didn't go to college. I spent all my life at home cooking for them. Obsessed with food, so watched all the food magazines, got all the cookbooks, all the cookery magazines, and just cooked my way through their formative years I suppose and then in 2012 I started a food festival in Khmer with a committee of local people that ran for a few years and that kind of got me out there on social media and connecting with people who were into food got to know a lot of chefs a lot of food critics a lot of food bloggers at the time this was back in the day when you had a blog and a website so I started blogging my recipes to my website and then went into Instagram and putting up recipes on Instagram and then from there, it was just kind of like, it felt like it was going places, but I didn't know quite where. And then back in 2018, um, I had the idea to do food tours in Khmer because my Instagram is all about my love of Khmer and my love of food. So 2018, I came to Emma in Maison Gourmet and I said, look, Emma, I have this idea of doing food tours. And straight away, she said, oh, my God, fantastic idea, because she had worked in Galway and she'd seen Sheena Dignam come in with her Galway food tours there and could see that it could work in Khmer. So I haven't looked back since then. In the beginning, Karen came to prominence by using social media, especially Instagram. The social media was fantastic back in the day. It has changed at the moment, but um, I think what it was was just literally... So in the early days of Instagram, I used to cook dinner for the family and they'd be at the table if we played it up and they'd be like can we not have our dinner now and I was like no I've got to take a photograph so you take a photograph you would put it up on Instagram and you put the recipe under it or you wouldn't even have to have the recipe under it you would just and that just people loved the kind of I suppose the natural approach to it um, and it did I think as well then on my stories I started to later on then cook on my stories step by step and that was hugely successful for me I mean that was people were messaging me constantly like daily saying oh have you got a recipe for this where's your recipe for that and there was huge interaction there social media has changed in that it's all about reels now and about how you post and when you post so I've kind of lost the love for that but I do need to get that back but then I also have the website to fall back on because as they say with social media with Instagram you don't own any of the content there so we've seen what's happened with Twitter the drop off there since um, it's changed over to X so if anything was to happen to Instagram in the morning everything is gone whereas with your website you own your website so I have a new website coming so the plan is to actually I suppose use that more for my recipes again get back to the basics it was the interactive nature of social media that appealed to Karen in the beginning yeah that I loved and even like that the drop off and that like that's it has that has really dropped off because again social media it's about playing the game and it's about 
I suppose the interaction isn't there anymore. It's the quick 30 second reel, you know, your stories, you're not getting the views. And it's just, it's harder because like you said, I am the people person. So I love to put a recipe up and then for people to come back to me and say, wow, I fed my family that they loved it or this features every week. And for me, that's what makes me want to create more. So it's hard at the moment. And then I suppose I'm busy with the food tours. They've become my focus. I have a little business, so it's not easy to be present on social media all the time now. Karen's content on social media was particularly appealing to moms. Um, I think I have a very, very good mix, but I suppose they were predominantly moms. And then the amazing thing was during, and I think that was the thing that people liked. Like I always said, I'm a mom who loves to cook. I'm nothing, if I can do this, you can do this. Like I didn't go to college. I'm not a chef. I have no background in food. I just love food. So I think I make it easy and accessible for them. Um, and then during COVID, I was doing home cooking groups. So they were signing up for a four week block at a time via WhatsApp. They'd get a meal plan every Monday and then they'd get recipe videos throughout the week. That went really, really, really well and that's something I have to bring back again because, I mean, the, the, like a, during COVID, there was one or two months where I had two separate WhatsApp groups on the go and there was 30 people in each, each WhatsApp group. So it kept me going, but it also gave people an outlet as well during COVID. It was a switch off from the outside world and everything that was going on. They were at home, they had the time to cook and that was actually wonderful. Balance is key to everything in Karen's life. Her ethos with Kinmare Foodie is to lead a healthy, balanced, active life. She leads by example in everything she does. She took up running, rowing and swimming after quitting smoking a few years ago. She was terrified of the water having lost her beloved cousin to the sea when they were teenagers. This stayed with her all her life and for so many years she hated the water. However, she has faced that fear and conquered it. Yeah, that was the other thing uh, that COVID, I think, brought for me. And it was actually three years yesterday was the first day that I jumped into the sea, like the 26th or 27th of November. Um, and it was just a mad notion. Again, COVID, it was like there was six of us at home in the house. Um, my kitchen wasn't my own because the two older boys were growing up, so they were cooking their own stuff. So it was a constant stream of people. And it was just my half an hour out of the house every single day and uh, went off with a few friends of mine. There was like two of us, two or three of us. And it was just, my God, the peace, the peace. But not even that, like things like there was one morning we were in the sea. It was wintertime and it was eight o'clock in the morning. And where we swim is Temple No Pier and you're actually facing the Bearer Peninsula. And we were in the water as the sun rose over the Bearer Peninsula, over the mountains. And we could see it rising and it was like orange kind of coming up and up. And next thing, the sky was orange. We were in the water. The water was orange. It was just the most incredible experience to feel that. So now for me, if I don't get into the sea or if I don't get out in the mountains, I don't feel right. It's just my kind of connecting with nature and I love it. My first cousin drowned actually when I was 13 and he was 15. So um, I think I got over that. I started rowing in Khmer a few years ago and I had rowed in the, um, I'd rowed in a regatta and I'd rowed in the um, All-Ireland Coastal Rowing Championships twice and like that it's like you get to the start line in your boat and you know you have all boats ready you know you hear the call and then it's like okay one two three and the siren goes and off you go and all you can do is live in that moment and pull on your oar as hard as you can to get to the end line and uh, I can remember the first time that I did that the first regatta that I raced in here in Khmer just crossing the line and going oh my god I didn't even think about the water I didn't even think about my fear of the water it was just about getting from A to B as quickly as I could and I have enough back since. I think I'm very much living the moment. 
Yeah, because like that, to take it back to that incident when I was a teenager, it could all be gone like that in the morning, so you do have to live in the moment and just live every day as best you can. As mentioned, work-life balance is important to Karen, but how does she balance everything? And it's funny because I still like don't see myself as a working mom. Um, so I suppose with the Instagram and with the food blogging, that was fine because that was when the twins were at home and they were young and I was at home. So all of that was being done in my kitchen. So it never felt like I was away. And I was doing that if around them and around things I needed to do. Whereas now with the food tours getting busier, it's different because I had a few weeks in the summer where I had five days in a row of food tours. And then you've got the admin, you've got the accounts, you've got all of that. So it's funny because the kids are now going, Mom, you're not cooking anymore. And I'm like, that's it, boys. I'm really sorry, but I can't do everything. So, you know, that is the reality of it too, is that when you are so busy, sometimes you don't have time to give it, to give it all. Karen Coakley there. We'll take a break and we'll return to that episode of A Blast of Kerry Women and Food with Karen Coakley, Kinmare Foodie, after these. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Now let's return to Karen Coakley, otherwise known as Kinmare Foodie. A huge part of Karen's business is her food tours, and the food offering in Kinmare is second to none. So as I say on the tours, um, on the food tour, I'm telling Kinmare's food story. Now, I also have Killarney food tours, which launched this year, but I think I'll focus on Kinmare because that's the one I've been working with the longest. And again, on the tour, people learn, they meet the people behind the food. So all the produce is hyper local. So it's all made either out the back over the road, down the lane, which is just incredible when you think of the size of the town. I mean, our population is two and a half, three thousand, and yet I have six or seven different stops that I can take people to, taste things that they will not get outside of Kinmare, and they get to meet the people. And as well, it's to do with the the local people who've grown up in Kinmare and who are doing things with food, but also this wonderful, diverse community that we have here, which I think nowadays, or especially at the moment in the current climate, it's so important to celebrate that because all of these people come to Kinmare, they bring something to the table and they make it what it is. Kinmare Foodie Tours is born out of a love for the picturesque coastal town of Kinmare and its diverse people who have contributed to Kinmare's thriving food scene today. So on typical food tours, who are the people we would meet? On a typical tour, okay, so sometimes we go to Brook Lane Hotel and we taste uh, Dermot Brennan's, he has rare breed saddleback pigs, his sausage rolls and his pork ribs. The pork ribs usually, I mean, I've had Texans say to me, oh my God, you've ruined us for life. They will never taste ribs like them again. Just incredible food. We come to Maison Gourmet and we meet Emma and Patrick. So sometimes we sit in Maison Gourmet and we will taste um, pastries. Other times we might go into the bakery and they'll get to see Patrick make croissants and that's hands-on then they can make the croissants then we also have Tom Cream Brewery Bill and Aileen that's an incredible story and they are just two absolutely amazing characters I mean Bill's stories are just fantastic and Aileen of course is uh, Tom Cream's granddaughter we've Laura's chocolates so sometimes we go into the shop and we taste the chocolates other times then if I have a bigger group so I had my biggest tour ever the last tour of the season I had 38 people on it and it was amazing and on that tour my mum came in and helped me I know 38 I was like delighted and with that we went into Benoit's kitchen and himself and David did a like a demonstration on how they make the chocolates the talking chocolates and they got to taste them 
and then I also do a Beira tour, a bite of Beira. So as you know, the Beira Peninsula is huge, so we can't cover it all in one day. So it's a little bite that we take out of it. So we start in Khmer, we go out as far as Helens and Kilmakalog. We um, meet Stephen O'Sullivan Glass. So Stephen has rare breed belted Galloways. So we meet the cows on the side of the hill, talk to Stephen. He's a local sergeant as well, which really adds the story. And they feed the cows bread. So they love that. You can imagine bringing Americans out to two cysts and they get to feed the cows bread. And then we meet uh, Carl or Angela Daly um, at the pier in Kilmacalogue. And then we go into Helens and we have lunch with the mussels and the, the burgers. But we start in Khmer with Dermot Brennan and his rare breed pork. So there's three or four different tastings in that. When it comes to setting up a food tour business, Karen's timing couldn't be better. It is a great time to be doing it. And... Ireland has changed so much. The younger people now, the younger Irish people, and I think our own generation, and maybe older, they care about where their food comes from. I think we lost our love of food and our love of cooking, you know, in the 80s, 90s, the noughties, and I think that's coming back. I think people want to get back to basics. They want to feed their families well. And as well, sustainability in food and sustainability in tourism is going to be huge, which is why Stephen's story is fantastic, because his rare breed cows, they live outdoors all year round. They need very little intervention from him. They don't need to be housed. They're from Scotland, the Outer Hebrides, so their coat means that they can live out in the harshest of weather. They calve themselves. He said he's never had to pull a cow out, a calf out of them. And then they've got a very low milk yield, so he doesn't even have to milk them. And traditionally, they, that breed was used for the National Park in uh, Scotland to, um, you know, the way instead of burning the grass, they'd bring the cows in and they'd actually eat the grass and kind of regenerate the ground and get the new grass growing. So the same thing is happening out in his farm and his cyst and they love blackberries. Karen and Nima have the same passion for food. A Maison Gourmet is a must-stop on Karen's food tour. So we're in Maison Gourmet, which is our little bit of France in the centre of Khmer. It's a beautiful little coffee shop um, where everything is made by hand. All of their pastries, their sourdough breads, everything handmade here. We're going to meet Emma, who has been a fantastic support from day one. If it wasn't for Emma, I probably wouldn't be doing the tours. <laughs> so my name is uh, Emma Puech, and the name of the place is Maison Gourmet. Uh, we start in 2016, uh, the, um, on the Friday the 13th, uh, 2016, yeah. <laughs> Kenber was like um, a, a place uh, like, um, that you can find anywhere. You, we, we found, you know, the attractivity of the town. It's uh, like, uh, it's a beautiful place. There is a lot of shops, a lot of beautiful restaurants, a lot of... Hotel like the Park Hotel in Kenmer, uh, Five Stars, uh, Shinfall. We have um, like different this tourist town, and uh, I thought uh, we could do something here. Uh, the journey it depends. <laughs> uh, sometimes, uh, if you talk about my husband, the pastry chef and baker uh, in Maison Gourmet, he starts at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, we have uh, one pastry chef, one baker, and Patrick, Patrick is doing uh, the bread and the patisserie, so they swap together. And after the staff, um, the kitchen starts at half past six in the morning, and uh, the staff come and open the door uh, at eight o'clock, but they start at seven o'clock, until uh, five o'clock for the closing and six o'clock for, the, for, the, for, for, for living. So where does the future lie for Kinmare Foodie? 
Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Because the other thing as well, I suppose, the TV, I'd like to do a bit more of that with the Today Show. Um, I suppose that's the thing that I forgot to talk about in all of this, was that's, I suppose, been the highlight of everything that I have done, was getting the opportunity to cook on live TV. And the day that that message came in from the food, the, the producer of the Today Show, I think I just nearly died on the spot that this was happening. And it was just because he was following me on Instagram and he saw my cooking and said, do you want to come in to do a screen test? And I was like, OK. Um, so more of that and then just to expand not expand the food tours I have the whole thing set up it's just to make it a business that in five years time it's still there and that maybe the family could be involved you know yeah and they're all into food and finally what does Karen love about what she does oh god everything I actually couldn't say one thing um, I suppose with the cooking thing I get to share my love of food which I'm just obsessed with. With, I suppose, Instagram and social media, I get to share a little bits of my life in Khmer, which I'm obsessed with. And then with the food tours, I get to meet the most amazing people. Everybody who comes on a food tour, they're on a day out. They're either on holidays or they're a hen party or they're, I've had pre-wedding parties come or I've had a 50th birthday party. So they're out to have a good time and I get to meet the most amazing people and share my love of Khmer and my love of my producers with them. Yeah, Karen Coakley, Kinmer Foodie uh, there. And that is another episode of Blast of Kerry Women in Food. And well done to uh, Karen there and also to Emma. Uh, Maison Gourmet, beautiful uh, cafe there in Kinmare. And Karen Coakley Carviot, a great niche for herself um, there. And we wish her all the best in the future. We're going to take a break. And after that, we've our Kerry County Council Creative Kingdom. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Now, so it is the second Saturday of the month, so it's time for our Kerry County Council Creative Kingdom. And we're into a new year, bringing you what's going on in the arts world around this wonderful county of ours. And Kate Kennelly isn't with us this morning, but she will be back. But she's ably deputised by Assistant Arts Officer with Kerry County Council, Hannah Pinkard. Hannah, you're very welcome. How are you this morning? Very well, Joe. Uh, happy New Year to you now, 2024. Lots to be looking forward to. And Happy New Year to you too. Looking back on 2023, it's been a good year for the arts world in the county? Brilliant year, very busy, but we're not slowing down yet. We've plenty to come and we're very excited to be sharing it with all your listeners again today. Excellent, and I suppose it is coming into the time of Bridget, and we will be talking about Aixin and Breedoga very shortly. But first, let's talk about the Biddy, because during the week I caught up with the chairperson of the Mid Kerry Biddy's Day, which is taking place around this new bank holiday weekend and the weekend of the 3rd of February in Clarglen. And I caught up with chairperson Neil Brown. So, Neil, firstly, will you tell us what is the Mid Kerry Biddy's Day Festival? Yeah, gladly, Joe, and good morning. Um, 
So the Biddy's Day Festival is there to honour the Biddies, and, and the Biddy's honoured every year in the mid Kerry region, with Biddy's group visiting rural houses and public homes. The Biddy would, get, would carry the Brit Oak doll with them to ensure evil spirits are kept away from animal, humans and animals alike for the coming year, and traditionally this visit from uh, the Biddy would garner good luck and fertility and prosperity um, to the house. So this festival has been responsible for the resurgence of interest in this once popular tradition. In the 2024 Biddy's Day Festival is a, well I suppose it's multi-generational now, it's a multi-generational celebration of the tradition of craft making skills such as um, the traditional Biddy's hat making, the cross, the Bridget's cross making, we have Sugon weaving, we have Shano's dancing and brush dancing um, in, the, in November and December in preparation to get everybody to learn their brush dancing skills. Um, we have historical talks, we have celebratory session talks, we have sing songs, we have um, we'll have sessions, we'll have music. Um, we uh, even have our own Biddy's Day cocktail for the night. Whoa, whoa. Like so, so, so yeah, before we actually go into the actual event itself, like that that sounds there's not just about the one day, so or it's our a one weekend, it's building, which is, is brilliant and you're kind of reintroducing those old traditions as well and kind of reviving them. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and it's 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 crucial at this stage, you know. Uh, in 2016, there was only two active biddies groups left in Mid Kerry, which is which was uh, ostensibly all of Ireland, mm-hmm. and and it, it had seen a serious recline, just decline with many traditional groups hanging up their hats over the previous 20 years, mm-hmm. and thankfully, due to the work done by by this group and other groups connected around the country, as of 2023 and now 2024, I think there's there's close to 2022 20, active biddies groups now now forming, reforming, and coming together. Um, not only in Mid-Kerry, but nationwide, we get we get contacted from people in, in Clare and up north saying that they're interested in, in setting up their own groups. Yeah, excellent. So, it's it is. Um, I always say this in the program because I remember that uh, interviewing back in 2016 about it. But um, my birthday falls on Biddy's day, so I always remember the Biddy's coming in after the party that night. I'd be half scared because they'd come in with their masks <laughs> on and everything, and they'd chase us around the house. But it is it is kind of, it's a wonderful uh, tradition. So tell us the highlights of what's going to take place and where is it going to be on and when is it going to be on? Yeah, uh, gladly. Um, so I seem to remember your birthday, I think, is on the 30th. First, first yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so and the couple bond in was February 1st. <laughs> I remember that as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, um, the from even from the week before, from about the twenty seventh of January, because we do we do leave a little bit of preparation time for these traditional skills to be learned and created. So, even on the week before Saturday the twenty seventh, we'll have hat making skills and we'll have um, lantern making skills for for kids and family with the very talented artist Quiva Dawn. Uh, on the Thursday, which is actually Bridget's Day, we're going to have a gathering of the Bridgets. That's going to take place in Salvi's and Caloraglin. So we're going to have a, any female who has a Bridget in their name, and it can be a variation of Bridget, or indeed any son or father or daughter that is associated with Bridget to come down and to celebrate their Bridgets as well, you know, and the people that are close to them in their life. There's also going to be cross-making workshops throughout the entire weekend. There's a whole program inside Caloraglin uh, Library that is directed towards kids and directed towards storytelling, directed towards family as well. Um, 
Well, there has to be a, we've historical talks. We've Tom Dillon coming to the CY Small Theatre, and he's going to give a historical talk about the the Bridget and the Breed Oak. We've story uh, sharing sessions, and then on Saturday, Saturday is kind of the big point. We've got Sugon weaving during the day, and then of course at seven p.m. Uh, going up to the town on Saturday, we've got the the a famous biddies parade where all the biddies groups from all over the mid Kerry come together and uh, they march up to town in celebration donned in their donned in their biddy garb and um, it's, a, it's a wonderful spectacle we have we love uh, fire displays we love lanterns we love music we love everything there brilliant so it's really it's really worth um, coming along excellent and there'll be music going late into the night excellent and before you give the, the details for more information a sugon describe to people what a sugon is Yes, the traditional, um, most people might have grown up with them in their house. The Sugon weave, you know, it would be the old, you know, the old um, weaved chair that you'd sit in. It, it, yeah. um, uh, it, gosh, how would you describe it? Yeah, so it, it's the weaved chair. Uh, I, I know myself growing up, I would have had, we had them in our grandparents' house. And yeah, the old. back in the seat, it'd be very much obvious that that's the weaved part of it, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and uh, and it's a tradition that isn't used as much. So again, we just want to revitalise that and, and teach the the current generation how to do these skills. Yeah, if excellent. People, if people don't learn how to do them, they'll be lost. Exactly. And so, if people want more information, where do they go? Because it sounds like there's a lot happening. There is a lot happening, yeah, and there's there's even more to come. So we're we're quite active on uh, Instagram at Biddy's Day. We'll be uh, active on uh, Facebook at Biddy's Day. Uh, there'll be posters and flyers, and we'll be in the newspaper in the next couple of weeks as well. So um, I would I would urge them to go onto our social media and see what's going on. There'll be updates daily now from here into the festival so there, you shouldn't miss anything yeah well excellent Neil a lot of work goes into this a lot of volunteer hours as well so well done and uh, best of luck with this fantastic event and we need more events like this during the, the winter period as well which is fantastic heading into the spring so thanks Neil for coming on and telling us all about it of course John thanks so much for having me back on that was Neil Brown there. Now, speaking of the Biddy and Bridget, Aikshina Breed Oga is taking place between the 2nd and 4th of February in Ivrahuk in Ivara. And I'm delighted to say one of the organisers we have on with us now is Paddy Bush, famous poet who has been involved in this event for many years. Firstly, Paddy, before I talk to you about Aikshina Breed Oga, I want to commend you on that wonderful event you had in the Pipers in the Cave on Valencia Island. What a fantastic and unique event that was. It was. It was extraordinary. The, you know, the, the visual aspects of it, the music itself, just the sort of music it would be memorable if it was within four bare walls. But inside in the cave, the extraordinary visual there, the resonance of the cave and also the memories of, you know, geological time and quarrying time and mining time. Uh, it, it, it was a magical night. Yeah, brilliant. And speaking of magical nights, you will be guaranteed magical nights go along the age of the Redoga because Fina and Petty and all the gang down in South Korea always have a great calendar of events or oh, tell us what are the highlights that are going to take place nature this year yeah well this it's it's great this year we're we're more than 31 years on the go now and uh you know it's going from strength to strength briefly um our theme this year is seals 
you know, seals that are all around us all the time. We may not see them, but particularly here in Ivrach, uh, you know, from Skellig to Corrigana, out from me to Corrigoshin, to the various harbours, they're around there. And seals, of course, particularly in Irish tradition, but also in Scottish tradition, have a long, long uh, folkloric thing. And one of the things that uh, the story of the seal woman or the selkie uh, or, you know, whatever it's called, um, Maruch in, in, in West Kerry, uh, who is half human and uh, marries against her will, perhaps a man on the shore who steals her skin and uh, until she gets the skin back, she cannot go back to sea. But there are all these things that identify uh, the uh, a, a liminal space, if you like, an in-betweenness of human and the animal kingdom seems to be in the seals. You know, they actually look human if you look into those big brown eyes, particularly baby seals. You can see where all these legends began. So we'll be looking at seals in folklore, but we'll also be looking at them zoologically. A uh, lady called Samantha Cox, Dr. Samantha Cox from University College Cork, will talking, be talking about them in a scientific and zoological sense. And, uh, you know, their life cycle um, interface with fishermen, which sometimes can be controversial. Um, Vinnie Highland, filmmaker, has lots of underwater uh, film and will be putting together a film to do with them. Um, Seamus O'Cahain, uh, the pre, uh, former head of the folklore department in uh, UCD, will be talking about it. And an interesting side thing is that his name, O'Cahain, is one of the names that's associated with seals. There's a saying in Connacht, Baronta Eid Winter e Cahain. And, you know, there's another little uh, um, connection, if you like. Murinik Aulive will be singing for us. She has some wonderful songs uh, to do with seals and the sea. Murin's name, Murin, Mur Yen, means conceived of the sea. So in two, two of the names of people who will feature are actually talking about this connection with the sea and seals which is really just an indication of how much they're uh, tied in uh, with human attributes. Yeah, excellent. You always have great music as well, Paddy, and tell us about the kind of music people will expect. Yeah, well, Murren and uh, her backing group uh, will be giving a concert on Saturday night, and she, you know, she is a wonderful version of um, Portnabu Cree, which is, uh, you know, a tune from the Blaskets, often connected with seal music. Uh, so that will be one concert. And then we have something very, very special. Uh, there is a long poem called On Kraken Agzaluch, written by a Donegal poet, which is a long retelling in modern terms of that seal story and bringing in feminist and ecological themes. And she wrote that in Irish. I've translated it into English. And Steve 
who first told me about her poem and sent me the book has composed a suite of music and he'll be there with three other musicians, top class musicians and while Etna recites the poem my translation will be on the screen and Steve will be playing this newly composed music in the background so and that was commissioned uh, by the Aigsha with the help, valuable help of Aline Gaeltachta so any day you have newly composed music by Steve Cooney you have something very special Yeah, uh, absolutely amazing and we will play out with a piece of music from Steve Cooney. Before I do that, can you tell us where can people go for more information because this is taking place throughout Ivra, Ivrahik, and there's loads of, of different things going on, but if people want more information, where should they go? Right, they, they ring Fianna at 087-293-1463 or go to com. that's E-I-G-S-E N-A-B-R-I-D-E-O-I-G-E dot com com, or the very hardworking Fiona at 087-293-1463 and she's much more reliable than I am <laughs> we'll have to take a word for that both very hard working there uh, can't believe 31 years congratulations on that milestone absolutely brilliant it brings so much to the culture of uh, Kerry and again at this time of year it's brilliant to have such an, an amazing immersive um, festival on as well so Petty for coming on and Gnairi and all that best luck with it all as well now we are going to have a piece of music now and this music is composed by Steve Cooney for Age in the Breedoga and Steve is joined by Cormac Brahnock on the flute Billy Moglin on the Yabahar and Dermot Byrne on the accordion and Robbie Perry on percussion
Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Are you a local business in the kingdom? Whether you're a regular advertiser or looking to kickstart your brand, Radio Kerry is giving you a chance to win €1,500 worth of radio and digital advertising. All you have to do is register your business at radiokerry.ie forward slash working together. Then stay tuned from January 22nd to see if your business is called out. If it is, simply call us back within the hour to be in with a chance to win. We'll even give you a chance to tell our listeners about your business when you come on air. Register today for your chance to win radio and digital advertising worth €1,500 courtesy of your local station, Radio Kerry. Supporting local, working together. Giants on the football pitch make everyone who knows them feel 10 feet tall. And one man 60 minutes can be his whole town's finest hour. Because when it's club, it lives forever. This Sunday at Croke Park, Arva take on Listo Limits in the AIB GAA Junior Club football final at 1.30. And Kilnamartra face St. Patrick's in the intermediate football final at 3.30. Advanced ticket sales only at GAA.ie or selected Centra and Super Value stores. This is the AIB GAA Club Championship. This is where we all belong. Welcome to the Kerry Lost and Found Sounds, brought to you by Specsavers Hearing Experts, helping the community rediscover the joy of ordinary sounds. Richard in Ballybunion writes to say he smiles every time he listens to the sound of his kettle boiling for his morning cup of tea. And in other great news, Sheila in Phoenix has rediscovered the sound of popcorn popping just in time to watch her favourite films. Whatever sounds you've lost, Specsavers hearing experts could help find them again. Book a free hearing test at your local Specsavers. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. You're listening to Kerry County Council Creative Kingdom and Assistant Arts Officer Hannah Pinkard is sitting in for Arts Officer Kate Kennelly of Kerry County Council. And uh, Hannah, we were saying it's a new year, new beginnings. So what should people be looking out for in the arts world um, uh, for the year ahead and what should, be, what should they be preparing themselves for? The most important date we have coming up, Joe, is Thursday the 18th of January at 1pm is the deadline for Arts Act grants and artist bursaries. So like, I'll quickly go through them. Um, I understand there's only a few days, so hopefully people have been considering these already, but if they just come to mind, please just visit arts.kerrycoco.ie and you'll see all the forms there or contact us in the office. So after you know after christmas we often all make promises to ourselves as new year's resolutions and artists and individuals are no different so i recommend looking at the further arts education bursary which is the opportunity to get a higher level of arts education for any artists living or from the county then you can move on to the creative development bursary which is looking to develop your practice specifically it doesn't need to tie directly into an institution it may be focusing more on your work and of course which may be, you know, a negative thing after our Christmas. Sometimes we need to get away. So we do have an artist retreat bursary. So that's up to 600 euros to support an artist to attend a specific retreat that they, of their choice. Um, 
Can I get that and can I go on a sun holiday with it or is that uh, specifically for actors? Not you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'd try my luck you know. <laughs> you know, well, Kerry Airport does go many places now, so I hope. Um, with great, great, great deals. So the next one we have yeah. is the Eamon Kelly bursary. So the Eamon Kelly bursary is specifically for people living in the Killarney Municipal District. Now we may not all be as familiar with the municipal district map as ourselves in the council so do look at the application itself and see if it applies to you it's up to a thousand five hundred euros that is awarded through the aiming kelly bursary so the yeah, next one yeah. is kind of one that's close to my heart in some ways as i think it's really kind of powerful it's artists in schools and um the impact an artist can have within a school environment is huge um, I come from a family of teachers. Uh, my mother is a primary school teacher and just I'm hugely influenced by the creativity um, and dedication to the work that teachers have. So this is really a chance for schools to make an application to us to choose an artist, of, like an artist, an art form of their choice to bring into the classroom. And the impact of that is lifelong for those students. So I'd really recommend any schools listening, um, even with a few days left, to consider making the application because we'd love to welcome them. The next one is our biggest one and the final one. It's our Arts Act grant. So every year our external adjudication panel always remarks on their talent that resides in this county. Um, and if they could award more, they would award more. Um, as of last year, there was 53 applications. 29 was successful. So that's over your over a chance of one in two to get this award. So this Arts Act grant really supports kind of festivals, like the key is in the Ward Act. So it's festivals and performances. It's really something happening um, within the county. Um, like the applications last year were up by 15. So we're expecting it to grow even more this year as, you know, arts around Kerry is getting stronger and stronger. So that's it really for our grants and bursaries. Again, all the information is available at arts.kerrycoco.ie and we really look forward to seeing what comes in. Yeah, excellent. And that's a great uh, website and resource to go to. And you can also go there to sign up for your newsletter, Hannah, which is absolutely brilliant as well to know what's going on for the year ahead because who would believe that we're into a new year again and uh, really looking forward to what you'll have uh, organised and uh, coordinating Hannah you did a great job for deputising for uh, Kate no doubt she'll be back again next month but thanks a million for coming on with us this morning and as like I know Kate under Kate Kennelly's leadership as Arts Officer I also want to thank our entire Arts Office for the year they do through the work they do throughout the year so we have Morel Murphy Clive O'Callaghan Neve Dehora and Emma Carmody with Crew of Ireland so thank you to them and thank you to all your listeners Excellent thanks Hannah that's all we have time for on the programme this morning my thanks to Neve Daly who was on sound Francis is on the way so keep it here on Radio Kerry I'll be back again next Saturday with the Saturday Supplement at 9am until then look after yourself and take care